Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com. Podcast like a boss. One of the reasons I was really keen to talk to you is because you are doing and have done some truly extraordinary things. And you're actually the first, uh, I guess, sports person that I've had on the show. I oh, mean, cool. Unless you include Samuel Johnson's unicycle ride around Australia, which was... Um, not really. No, it's <laughs> not really sporting thing, but yeah. So it's yeah. it's it's uh, it's a real honour to uh, to oh, chat with yay. you. In, I'm happy um, that I get to be the the first athlete. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know you're you're setting a very high uh, high bar for me to continue to uh, get amazing <laughs> athletes on the show. Um, I start at the bottom if you can go straight to the top. You know, you know? I, I agree. <laughs> Seriously, I've always I've always uh, shot for the stars personally, and. Um, yeah. And it certainly seems as though that's something that you've done throughout your career. You know, it's, there's a lot of information that's that's pretty easily and readily accessible about, you know, your life uh, sort of from around the time you were, I guess, you know, sort of 15, 16 when you went to the Commonwealth Games. And one of the things that I love chatting to people on this show about is kind of that period in your life when you're quite young and um, and the formative kind of years where you, I guess, unconsciously make the decision that you want to do something. And it's really, I believe it's kind of energetically based because you, you do yeah. something that feels good and you either choose Absolutely. to pursue it or, or you choose to not pursue it. So I'd love to hear like what what what's your kind of origin story in that sense? Do you remember the first time that you swam a race, or even just got in the pool or in the ocean or whatever, and it gave you that kind of feeling like this is something that I want to do? Oh, I um I knew from a really early age that swimming was made for me. Like, I mean, I'm very spiritual. I believe a lot in those energies and things that you were talking about. And from reading some of the past interviews and stuff, I liked that that was something that came through and gave a different perspective. So I knew from really early on and it, it was, I was too young to have, you know, judgment or consideration to do other things. Like I just had, I was three or four and I just knew I was going to go to the Olympics and it would be for swimming because I loved swimming and I couldn't understand, you know, when I would look at my mom or my mom's friends or whatever, like how you could go through life and just be like, just kind of not do anything that had like huge impact or, you know, be recognized or, you know, be looked up to in some way. And I was too young to kind of understand and appreciate all the different aspects of, uh, you know, a person's life now. But um, yeah, and I just knew and I loved being in the water. I went to school and everything, you know, I was just like, I can't wait to leave school to go to training. And I wasn't necessarily training like super hard or pushing myself I just loved it like I loved being there and I think that that is the most important part of going after any goal is like just really honestly loving it from your core and so when I do a lot of clinics or speaking things um you know that's what I that's like one of the main points like you have to love what you do so I completely agree with you and and since finishing swimming that was really what I tried to find again was something else that I felt that passionate about because once you've felt that level of passion and desire you can't do anything else that's not like in that level so I could never try and do things that I sort of only kind of liked a very good day to you dear listener and welcome back to the chat cave welcome to coming up next And let's get straight into it, friends. Joining me in the Ramble Room this week is one of the most accomplished women in Australia. And she also happens to be the very first athlete to jump on the Coming Up Next podcast. She won three Olympic gold medals while breaking three world records all in the pool at the Beijing Olympics. And she now has her own line of kids swimwear coming out very soon 
My guest this week on Coming Up Next is Stephanie Rice. You can find Steph online at www.stephanierice.com.au where you can find all the various things that we speak about in the forthcoming interview, including her ebook and public speaking links. You can also find her on the social medias under It's Steph Rice. And while you are clicking through Facebook, Twitter and or Instagram, you might as well open up a new browser or your iTunes slash podcast application. Open up Coming Up Next podcast or go to comingupnext.com.au. Hit subscribe and then check out the back catalogue. If you love hearing people you love talking about the real stuff, then do yourself a favour. But not before you finish hearing Steph Rice and her awesome and inspiring story. And you grew up in uh, in Brisbane. Brisbane, yeah. Yeah, and so were there were there spots that you can remember visiting as a kid? Did you have like a favorite pool or like a favorite beach that you would go to? Uh, not necessarily. I just loved being in the water. So whether that was being in a swimming pool or in the ocean or in the bathtub, like I just loved <laughs> honestly being in the water. Like so many kid photos of me with like my cap and goggles and swimming togs on, like in the bath, like pretending, like blowing bubbles. Like I just like every moment to be in the water was, I was there. Like I just loved it. And, you know, my mum would um, also like, uh, she would use not cleaning my room against me in order to like go to training. So she's like, if you don't clean your room, then I'm not taking you to swimming training because she <laughs> knew that I loved it so much. So I was always like doing everything just so that I could go like to the pool and be with like my sort of friends and, and train and yeah, it was, loved it. That's awesome. And so did you have, role models, people that you looked to or people that you loved watching or things that you loved watching um, when you were in that kind of phase, uh, people that inspired you um, or great um, role models or mentors? Yeah, um, it's really interesting. You know, people always say like was, you know, who was your idol and whatever. Like I never had an idol and I feel like it was because I always wanted to do something in my own way. I definitely drew inspiration from a number of people. Like I looked up to Susie O'Neill so much when I was young because she was sort of like, you know, having huge success at the time. And I just, but I never wanted to be Susie. I just looked at what she was achieving and, and how amazing it was that she could like make a career out of swimming. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do, but in my own cool, fresh like way. So, um, yeah, and then I guess over the years I've drawn, uh, you know, I draw inspiration from a number of people. My coach has been a huge mentor to me and like a, an inspiration in that way. We're we're a great team, and I think you you do need to have like an absolutely fantastic team in order to have any type of success. Um, and uh, you know, I draw inspiration from so many different types of people for so many different reasons. Um, not always a lot of sporting people almost more people that I just love the way they present themselves in public and what they speak about. Like I love the way, you know, Angelina Jolie is such an activist for, you know, change in the world. And I love that, um, you know, Serena Williams is able to back up performance after performance. Like there's just t bits and pieces within a lot of different people that I admire. And so coming, uh, I suppose, into beginning a career in, uh, in the pool, how did you start that process? Well, I guess because I was quite young, I hadn't really gotten to the age where money became something that impacted my passion because I was still, um, you know, 10 and 11 and I loved swimming and I loved, um, you know, just like going away on camps or going to swimming competitions every weekend. Like that was like what made me happy. And then, um, when I got to about, I was really fortunate with like, I guess like the trajectory of my career, but at 14, I made like my first, like, I think I made $4,000 for the year or something like from swimming. And it was like the biggest thing that had ever happened to me in my life. Like, I just thought it was so cool to make, like be able to make money out of something that I just loved doing. I just loved it so much. And I obviously hadn't gotten to the age where there was expenses or anything that you needed to consider. So I kind of just had this really nice follow on effect where I was able to continue to make 
a career out of swimming. And um, I'm, I think at the time I probably didn't appreciate that as much as I do now, just because I'm aware of a being a female in sport and there's just nowhere near the amount of money that it has compared to a male dominant sport. Um, but to have had the opportunity to have made in a similar ballpark something that a male athlete would make and really be, I guess, like a change for the industry in that way. Um, like I'm incredibly fortunate. Um, but in saying that, I worked my ass off to get it. So, you know, good things come to people who work hard. Mm, what what was uh, – could you kind of briefly describe what like a typical week might have been uh, in the lead up to like the Commonwealth Games or something like that? Yeah, well, we always like worked on a rotation of an Olympic cycle. So we would always like have that as the focus. So I guess like that's the best one to give you. Um, and we would train or I would train nine swimming sessions a week. So we would start 5.30 in the morning at the pool. So I was always up at around like 4.40 in the mornings to get to the pool stretching. We'd do two and a half hours in the water. So 5.30 till about 8.00. Um, I'd get out, we'd maybe do like 20 minutes of land exercises, like sit-ups, push-ups, core exercises, things like that. Um, and then I'd go straight from the pool to the gym for an hour um, to work out and then straight from there to physio for an hour and then I'd get home at around lunchtime. So I'd be out of the house from four till lunchtime. And then I would have a sleep, like eat lunch, have a sleep for an hour, which was vital because we always like were pushing our body so much, like that was the recovery. And then we would go to the pool. I'd have to leave the house at 3 in order to get the pool at 3.30. We'd do about another 45 minutes of land exercises, two and a half hours in the pool, and then I would, like, uh, come home and I'd probably get home around 7.15, 7.30, just depending on how long the session took. Um, and obviously, in be like, in between not actually training um, I think people think, oh, like, did you go grab a coffee with friends? And, you know, oh, no, like, I didn't have – a social life because like that crucial like three or four hours in the middle of the day had to be used to recover and if you didn't use it to recover then it impacted your session maybe that afternoon or the following day and that was pretty much you know five five days a week uh and then on the weekends it wasn't really going out and partying it was like using the weekend to like rest and recover get your body back to start another big week again so it was just um, – and swimming really trains like 52 weeks out of a year, so uh, we don't really get an off-season as such. Um, so it's just – it becomes a very – I guess it's a very intense sport. It takes a lot on out on your body. Yeah, we were when we were kind of averaging anywhere between 5 to 10 kilometres a session, just depending on what phase we're in. So I was doing anywhere between like 50 to 70 kilometres a week. Holy shit. <laughs> a lot of laps <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of going back and forth a lot of people say like did you get dizzy and i'm like nah you used to do it i did see on your website that you've done almost nineteen thousand kilometers worth of swimming or something over your career yeah i think i tried to work it out like i swam almost halfway around the world or something good grief tried to work it out <laughs> i tried to <laughs> that can be your next endeavor Swimming around the world. Nothing no. I've done with that last part. <laughs> right. So did you, uh, as kind of like a, just a tangent, when you retired a couple of years ago, did you kind of make up for lost time with your social endeavors? Well, I feel like uh, any time that you do um, something, you know, so obsessive and, um, you know, to such a level of like intensity, like – an Olympic career, you always almost like have to fling all the way back the other way in order to find harmony and balance in the middle. So um, I definitely did that. And I used that time not right away because I had shoulder surgery and I moved to Sydney, but I used that kind of like year to two year period to just kind of figure out like what I stand for, what I want, who am I, and what am I going to do with the next like. 60 years of my life and I feel like that's like a really it sounds so hilarious but to be complete with something so huge in your life at 24 um and then not know what to do after that like and also you're around everyone at an age of 24 where they've just finished school and university and they're about to embark on their journey so it's almost like you have this complete 
role reversal. And so mm. I didn't find I had like almost anything in common with anyone that I was associating with because I'd already done this huge thing and now I was like trying to figure it out. No one's been through a lot of those levels of um, intensity and scrutiny and opportunity that it just I, I found it really hard to to meet people that I actually really connected with so a lot of my friends that I've really used and relied on and been I guess like mentors in a lot of ways are, are often like 10 to 15 years older than I am um, they just seem to be the people that I connect with best in that way um, that have had you know big life experiences after a couple of years of and we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit but after a couple of years of of soul searching have you started to find an idea of what you stand for and what you hope to achieve over the next 60 to 80 years <laughs> of life depending on how <laughs> yeah. far medicine comes yeah absolutely like i really did take those 2 years right after swimming and to kind of ask that question like who am i was the biggest question because um I guess like the easiest way for me to put it into words and I think is something that a lot of athletes post-retirement go through and really is something that needs to be addressed is that like everything that you stand for as a person is an external gratification. So um, I would get more notoriety based on my performances, based on like if I was doing a photo shoot or an event or like, you know, all these things that really don't mean anything to mm. you as a person. And because that was ingrained in me from such a young age, like 11, 12, right through, that's what I knew. And so I never really asked myself, like, who am I outside of what I do? Um, because it was always like swimming is me. So <clears throat> it was like to take that away, I kind of was like, I don't even, I, it was like an identity crisis. Like, and I can imagine that, you know, it would be sort of similar going through a, like a midlife crisis or something. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just really finding that. And I actually took the time to move to America Um to really ask those questions because, I mean, in Australia, I just think it's, it's me, but um, I'm so conscious of people around me, how I'm perceived, you know, and, and making sure that people see an authentic side to that. And so I found it really hard to be authentic and try and soul search at the same time because, you know, I constantly got asked like, so what are you doing now? And what's, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> So I just decided to move to America so I didn't even have to worry about any of that side of, of public life, I guess, and really just kind of figure it out. And I'm so glad that I did that because, um, you know, came home the start of this year was just so much more clarity and credence around like, you know, what I want to do. And I really used this year full time to start launching, you know, my business and, and that is something that I'm, you know, I'm incredibly passionate about. And I've also figured out that I no longer need to just find one thing that I'm passionate about. Like I have a couple of different things that I love doing. So I don't know if I could ever just do like one thing full time and then that was it again. So, yeah. What was it like for you when you, you, you sort of spoke and touched on their uh, public life? Uh, and, and I suppose living life in the public eye. What was it like for you to go off to um, to the Olympics in 2008? And not that people didn't necessarily know who you were. People, you know, there was there was a very strong identity for you in the public. But to come back and for it to kind of have blown up in the way that it did from everything that you achieved. What was that kind of really immediate shift like for you well it was so daunting I mean it was exciting because I've always embraced like a public life and I've always I guess liked aspects of it more so when I was younger than I I do now but um so I welcomed you know all of those exciting opportunities and and to be able to do things like that but the hardest part was that we didn't have social media we had Facebook, but it wasn't really what it is, you know, now. And uh, so when we're in the Olympics, it pretty much was a bubble. Like there was no media in the village. It was, I didn't know what was getting pushed back. There was no real way to check like what articles were happening and whatever. So pretty much like I got on the plane from Beijing back to Australia and landed to this just like flood of energy and just 
there was no preparation. Like no one could have prepared me for what was to come. And I don't think anyone knew what was to come. So it was kind of like, just like had to roll with it. And um, I think that was like, it was awesome, but it was hard. Like I had to learn lessons very quickly and probably on a much bigger scale than um, most people now, or maybe not, but yeah, because I was sort of the first real person to go through like such intense social media um, impact. And so there was obviously huge highs to that and, and came away and had all these amazing opportunities and sponsorships and, and events and like, you know, it was glamorous and amazing. And then it just all came tumbling down <laughs> so freaking fast that it was just kind of like, holy crap. Like, I just, I don't know. I just didn't even realize that something like that could like happen. Um, and so like, it's funny because I have no problem talking about it because I'm so, like, glad that it happened in a lot of ways that, you know, I kind of had extreme highs and I had extreme lows because it gives me so much to talk about and mm. to be able to share. Um, and I, I really do feel like those huge impacting moments in people's lives are the things that, I'm, like, you are meant to share, like, the lessons from. So once I could got, get over the, like, emotional side to the extreme high and the emotional side to the extreme low I walk away with these like golden nuggets of um you know lessons to learn and I think that's um that was hard to do as I was still swimming so it took me quite a long time and, and that was probably a lot of the stuff that I ended up soul searching for after my career for a couple of years but yeah I mean I guess with every every uh, sacrifice or you know every huge high they're kind of always is like a balance, like a pros and cons to situations. And I think it was just about, yeah. And about me figuring out like where I want to play in that like area. And so I actually don't have, I don't really get any fulfillment or any um, joy out of being on the cover of a magazine now, whereas before that would have been like, Oh my God, like, this is so cool like what brings me such fulfillment now is doing a, you know, like a public speaking event and being able to have someone come up afterwards and say, you know, what you said totally resonated me with me. And like, I couldn't be more grateful for you to share that. Like that's kind of stuff where, you know, you're actually having impact in someone's life um, is, is so rewarding. And so I feel like it's important for me to be open about everything I've experienced for the, you know, opportunity to have something like that happen. Mm. What are some of the the highs that you remember from that period of time? Well, I mean, the highs, I guess, were the endorsements. Like they were, they just came in so thick and fast. And I've been so blessed that I've been able to choose the alignments of brands and companies that I wanted to work with, because I think a lot of people don't have that. So they take what, you know, comes and, and that's something I've, I've really been grateful for because I've always chosen to align myself with ones that I feel like are important or I relate to. Um, you know, there was, I mean, it was obviously amazing to be able to make money and make huge amounts of money from something like swimming, because that's, exactly what I wanted to do and I never did it because of of a money thing so to me that was pretty amazing so I got to live a very luxurious life from you know a 19 19 20 year old girl and that was that was pretty amazing but um and got to meet some amazing people but nowadays like that stuff just doesn't have much um hasn't doesn't have much pull over me anymore so what would you say was some of the lows or some of the lessons that you learned in that kind of period of time? I think like if I was to look at it now, um, it was probably not having the gratitude for what I had at the time or understanding the impact that I had because it to me was all just like fun and you were kind of like a celebrity, but I didn't actually also realize the impact that you could have. So be that a positive one or a negative one, I just kind of thought you were a celebrity. So I guess now I, I have a lot more. I want to use my celebratedness in order to be a positive thing yeah. rather than something that doesn't mean much. So, yeah, and, and I, I think I choose to live a much more private life now than I did before, which is whereas before I would have loved to have just been at every 
every red carpet and, you know, wearing amazing dresses and stuff. Whereas now I don't, I don't know, I don't value that anymore. I'm sort of like, what's, I always ask myself when an opportunity comes in, be it an interview or an event or a sponsorship, or um, I ask myself like, what does it mean to me? Like, what am I doing it for? Like, what is the purpose here? And if there is no purpose, I don't do them. Mm. Cause I just think, I'd rather actually be at home like watching a movie with my family than having to get dressed up and go to some event because of no reason. It's funny when you start to kind of contextualize your priorities and uh, you become deliberate with what you, where you assign meaning and, and sentiment and, and mm. um, you really start to kind of uh, choose your values very particularly. Yeah, absolutely. And I always do almost like innately run through my values and what their values are and where the alignment is. Like what is the connection? What is the alignment? And um, yeah, so I found I found also like sometimes saying no to things that you're like, oh, it was really good money, but I know it wasn't the right one. Mm. Um, you sort of like it's a bit it, it almost is it is challenging but you know that you're doing it for a bigger purpose and and then almost always every time that happens something else comes in that's like just the perfect one and you're like yes like this is amazing like I'm so and you're so excited about it and the public what I've realized is people are really smart like you can tell when there is an alignment with things you know or when I look at some people's social media, I'm like, that doesn't look authentic. Or mm, I'm not really sure like why you posted that type of photo. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can tell. So I've always made sure that like, you know, I'm a bit more aware of that and that what I push out is something that I'm proud of in ways. Mm. You are kind of talking before about the sacrifices that you had to, or you were alluding to the sacrifices that needed to be mm-hmm. made to pursue the lifestyle of an elite athlete. Uh, do you feel as though you missed out on anything uh, in, the, in that kind of, I guess, 10 or 12-year period where your focus really was, you know, where other people are going out, socialising, partying, uh, catching up coffee, getting pissed, um, you were really dedicated and devoted to what you believe to be your purpose or your mission or whatever term you want to put on it. Yeah. Do you feel as though you missed out on anything or do you feel like that was just, it was, it's just a different choice? Yeah. It's funny because, um, I mean, personally, I don't feel like I missed out. Um, And I guess it kind of comes back to that pros and cons situation to anything like that. Um, I knew that I loved swimming and therefore it didn't feel always like a sacrifice to me. It was like that was just the decision that I wanted to make 95% of the time. Granted, there was like one or two that stood out like in grade 12, I couldn't go to the school formal because it was on the same night as like our big Australian meet that happens like every year and so things like that I was like I wanted to go to the formal I wanted to do both but it wasn't wasn't possible given the timing and and so those those ones are more hard to make but at the same time you know I feel like I always made them like and they were the ones that I (laughs) the decisions that I wanted to make but I've never wanted to live a mediocre life. Like to me, mediocre is the scariest freaking place to be. Um, and so I would rather be dead broke and in the street and like having to work your way up the ladder than being in the middle and being safe and being secure and just kind of like it is what it is type of a person. And so in saying that, if you want to achieve any type of success, you can't do mediocre things to get there. You have to do extreme things and things that make you, you know, different because if it was easy, everyone would do it and everyone would be successful. And, um, you know, that's why I think what I've loved in my years post swimming is I guess reading more about business, businessmen, businesswomen, and, 
and a lot of similar similarities in terms of that like you know dedication and the work ethic and those types of things that I like have been like okay like you know other people that are doing well are doing similar things um or I did similar things when I was swimming therefore that's why I got the success that I got so I don't feel like I missed out. I maybe just went through it at a little bit of a later stage in saying that there's not a lot of 20 year olds that can have achieved what I achieved and have the success that I had. So I don't, you can't do both. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know too many, uh, too many people who win three Olympic gold medals and <laughs> break three world records. It's a, a pretty exceptional achievement. And I think uh, that, even if you did nothing with the rest of your life, you would certainly not go down as uh, mediocre by any stretch of the imagination. No, I, yeah, I, I, I think it's more like I know that I achieved everything I wanted to in swimming and I, I sort of always thought or the way I perceived it was that maybe I came here it, like to earth in this lifetime to be an Olympic gold medalist swimmer and that was it. And when I finished, I was like, that's really scary. Like, was that it? Like, was it, did I achieve the absolute pinnacle of my life at 20 and maybe 24? Like, is everything going to be downhill from here? Because I'm not really down with that. Like, that's pretty crap. <laughs> and once I shifted it to be, what if that was the stepping stone to the next thing? Like, what if you did that in order to get the influence or have the credibility um, in order to do something else that's massive. And once I found that shift, which took forever, I w- it was like the light bulb moment where I was like, oh, my God, okay, like now we're in action. What do you think it is or was, I suppose, about swimming – Actually, we I, I joked briefly before about um, uh, Sam Johnson and his unicycle thing. Uh, when I spoke to him on the show, he spoke very passionately about playing tennis and likened tennis in a way to acting. And, and we were kind of chatting about the kind of the, the pure presence that's required to compete in 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 that kind of in sport or in um, performing at an elite level. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if you've ever kind of dissected it or um, unpacked what it was about swimming uh, that really kind of pushed you forward and that may be continuing to push you forward in this next phase of your life. There was like a lot of different aspects of swimming that I – loved that I probably didn't realize until I stopped doing them. For example, um, swimming is incredibly meditational. Um, you've got your head in the water. You can't hear anything else. You can't really see anything else. So there is like a direct focus, which I think comes from a lot of sports. You have the complete tunnel vision focus. And I think that's why, you know, sport feel, it always makes you feel so good because you just like, I don't know, you're completely in the moment you're completely present so I loved I loved obviously the focus element I loved the meditational aspect and the flow of moving your body and swimming is the only sport that uses every muscle in your body so there was like a really nice flow element to swimming but then little things like I guess being in a team and being in a squad and being outdoors and learning to breathe and control your breathing and things like that that um I loved and now I noticed when I finished swimming, I was like getting really tired and getting really like uh, agitated. And I was like, it's because I'm not having four hours of meditation every day. <laughs> like I'm not at the pool, like with my head in the water where you can just like dissect your own thoughts and go through your own like analysis and not have people talking to you, not be distracted by your phone or computers. Like it was just like your time to like work your crap out. It was. I loved it for that. Mm. Just, just on a completely a complete side note, what was it like for you? And I'm sure you've told this story a bazillion times. Um, but what was it like for you when you did, you know, get your head out of the pool and realize that you'd won your first, second, or third uh, medal, and having broken a record each time as well. Oh, a lot of, a lot of Beijing 
was like an out of body experience. It's the hardest thing to describe. And when I watch it, when I watch the videos now, it doesn't feel like it was me. Like it feels like I'm watching as, okay. So it's going to sound totally wacky, but I think you'll get it. It feels like I'm watching me in a past life. Like I feel like because I've changed so much as a person, when I watch when I what I achieved, it doesn't, I'm like, was that me? Like I don't, it's like, I don't know, I'm looking at two totally different people. And so when I actually achieved it, it was just this, like the biggest feeling was relief. Like I was like, oh, I'm so relieved that, every bit of hard work that went into it and um you know all the sacrifices and everything paid off like that was the first feeling was relief second feeling was obviously like an overwhelming amount of excitement and pride and um and I didn't realize the level of what I achieved until going to London so I almost sort of left Beijing being like oh yeah like that was awesome like I won my races I didn't really feel like I kind of grasped the level of achievement until I went back four years later and didn't do as well as I would have liked to. Like, I think my best achievement, I can't even remember them. Like, I think I got fourth. And watching other people win an Olympic gold medal, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like an Olympic gold medal. And I was like, I have three. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, it was like, I was like, oh, my God, Steph, like what you did and for everything to have lined up like universally so perfectly to execute on the day and to be able to stand behind the blocks and be there and be present and for it to just all work, that's all like autopilot. Like you can't, um, you can't change that like within a couple of, like a month of the games, you know, that stuff's all done years and years before in the training pool, like your mindset, your preparation. And when you get to an, an, any meet, but especially in Olympics, it's almost like you just have to seize the moment and try and put everything that you've done into like a two minute race and you can't force it. You can't overthink it. It's so I I do feel like it was out of body in that way because it was just kind of like complete flow. And then to have won the three was was pretty pretty miraculous, really, in a lot of ways. I remember being on this, the podium singing the national anthem and, like, trying to find my family in the stands and also thinking, like, don't screw up the words because <laughs> everyone can see you and don't sing too loud because they might realise you're not a very good singer. Like, I just had all these thoughts going through my head. because I didn't. It was, yeah, and it was also, like, so not in the moment. Yeah, yeah. like oh, you know what I mean like I just was and I didn't grasp it whereas when I watched in London I was like oh, I wish that well not that I wish because it's funny but I wish that I would have had an opportunity to to do it again to have more understanding and awareness for what was actually happening to you you know mm. um yeah so a lot of those insights and, and the way I view and perceive all of these things that I've shared are things that I have worked on understanding and asked myself the questions long and hard. Like I've done huge amounts of work to figure out those answers and figure out those perspectives and insights and stuff because like I totally believe that there is always lessons and gems in everything that you experience. And so the more that you can understand those, the better equipped you are in order to move forward to to, to share or to help or inspire or empower or whatever it is that you do moving forward. So whilst I may have spent four years on paper, not necessarily having done or achieved anything. Um, I mean, I won Celebrity Apprentice, but, you know. like Youngest ever that. winner globally. <laughs> Sorry about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was actually the perfect thing at the time because I really needed it in a lot of ways, like to know that I could do something outside of swimming Mm. and still be very good at it. And that was really when I started asking myself those questions and changed my perspective around like was swimming it, like to get that was like the first stepping stone to going like I could do more here. Yeah, but I really worked hard on myself and now I feel like I'm really ready to like push it out there and push out the messages and and be be more vocal. Yeah, you. I guess you talk about these sort of two separate lives and 
the Olympic gold medalist as this past incarnation. And I, I, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, there is no, there's no failure. There's only feedback. There's lessons everywhere to be learned yeah. and, and things to be taken from everything. And that's, I suppose, one of the, uh, one of the reasons that I started doing this podcast was because I was having a similarly kind of uh, identity crisis or spiritual crisis or some kind of uh, moment in my life where I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I, I kind of want to go and speak to people who are achieving in a way I, I hope to achieve or doing things that I admire. And... You know, one of the biggest topics, at least of the last probably 10 or 20 episodes, has been how people define success. And I think it's a really interesting topic because everyone, uh, it's, it's interesting to understand how people define anything, but because we all define things differently. But success, I think, is so pertinent in a Western culture. And you're yeah. someone who has experienced a really, really tangible level of success as an elite athlete, as uh, um, a model, as, you know, a television personality, as a celebrity. And yet it seems as though this is not re- that's not really now how you would define success. No. I think... Um to a person is when they are like feeling most fulfilled or their values are feeling like they're thriving in a t- certain situation. So, and that's obviously changes depending on like where you are in your life and what's going on. So at the time of swimming, like obviously I viewed that as success given that, that was my goal. That's what I worked for. I valued, um, and I thought success was the endorsement deals, the money, the glam, like all of that because that was everything that I wanted. Um, So I definitely value those things as success. And I I think I also will always value swimming, the swimming achievements as success because they're like things that can never be taken away in that way. But now success to me is freedom, freedom of choice, freedom of opportunity, freedom to be who I want to be, go where I want to go, when I want to go. Um, and so I craft my life now around that as the success goal. Um, I'm happy to work incredibly hard in order to have that and set myself up to have the opportunity to like actually experience life rather than kind of, you know, oh, hey, like we want you to come to Bali for, you know, something and you go for a day and whatever, but you don't actually like experience it, you know, like. I want to like be able to really feel and experience everything that I I can do. And so success to me is definitely freedom. Mm -hmm. You want to collect experiences, not things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do it with people that like fill my heart with so much joy and love. And yeah. Mm. I did notice on your website that giving back to the community was a very big kind of through line with a lot of your um a lot of the copy on the website yeah and like give back is like such an interesting topic topic for me because I've always had people approach me about charity stuff like you know will you post this picture like to help support our charity or like donate or come along and see the kids in the hospital and whatever and like far out it's hard to say no to things like that and it's also really hard to like be that person for everyone like you can't like I was getting like two or three requests and I still do a day like you can't actually say yes to them all and so I kind of figured out like I felt like I always had to give myself or give um money whereas now I feel like it's it's actually so much more holistic my view on giving back now it doesn't always have to be charity it could be like giving to someone in need on the street, having a good conversation with someone. It could be, you know, taking some time out to just help pay for someone's toll as you go over the bridge, like little things, you know, like, and I think that's something I've tried to like think about more from uh, everyday perspective rather than, oh, here's like a, a donation for, you know, a couple hundred bucks and, and be done with it for, you know, five months. 
So mm. I just embrace it more and I also embrace different facets of giving back. So I've aligned myself with two charities, which I love, and and those are really special and I'm heavily involved. I'm not just like the fakes. Um, you know, I like to experience and feel it all. But then I do stuff every day that I would feel like is giving back as well. Mm. You're a very high-functioning human. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I Yeah, because... I think people are when they work on themselves. Like you obviously are too to have that kind of insight and understanding and value system. I think when you work on yourself and when, when you go through something hard that you have to ask those questions that you were saying, like crisis, then you figure out like, okay, this is what I'm about. This mm. is what I mean. Yeah. Mm. I was, uh, I was uh, reading somewhere earlier. It was, must've been a tabloid. Uh, newspaper article where you were talking about not having time or not being in the right space to be in a relationship as well, which is, a, <laughs> which I'm sure was uh, things that were taken completely out of context. But uh, one of the things I do, another thing that I uh, really love talking to people on this show about is relationships and intimate relationships mm. in particular, because I think that when you are a high-functioning person and when you are working at a kind of uh, at a very high level, it can be very difficult to maintain intimate relationships. Oh, yeah, incredibly. It's funny. Um, like for me, I guess I've I viewed it a little bit differently up until maybe like a, a couple of months ago. I've always believed that in order to do something incredibly well. You can only do one thing at a time. That doesn't mean that you can't do other things. It's more like pick and choose the things as they like fall in. So I'm launching my first business. I run the entire thing. Um, it's not like I've just slapped my label on like some pre-made like somewhere or something. And I think that's what people don't understand yet. And that's fine. Like when it launches and it's out in the world, like people will understand that. But I literally work on it every day. And I'm learning things that I just, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm the right person to do these things, but like you, you're just like, I've got to like saddle up and like do it. And so I knew in like, in dedicating and embarking on that, there was no way, first of all, unless someone like crashed into me as I was driving to a meeting, like I wouldn't meet anyone because I don't go out like I don't socialize because I'm like this is my life for like this year or whatever but then um so when I did that and when that interview came out I was like honestly like I don't want a relationship right now because I'm so focused on on my life and my goals and if someone came in I wouldn't be closed off to it but I'm not out there like searching for it but now that I have like everything is like pretty much ready. It's like, feels like it's sorted. I'm so much more open to it now. I, I know I could take it in and really give to someone. And, and that's like, I think what you were talking about is because I know I couldn't give before. Like I had enough, like you only have a certain amount of fuel in your tank and like I was giving all of it to the business. So there was nothing left for anyone else, barely keeping myself, you know, going. So I was like, I don't want to be that person in a relationship either. Like I like to have things be the best experience and, and know that you're giving hundred percent to something. Whereas now I can give like, and be someone like be the girlfriend that I would want to be in a relationship. I guess the other aspect to it is that I've started to feel like it's nice to feel feminine as a woman, you know, and launching a business and having to negotiate and do a lot of masculine things. It's like, I like it because I can do it. Um, but it's also not, I think it would also be nice to come home and have a relationship where you could be like gentle and feminine and beautiful and have that intimacy with someone. So yeah, it feels like, I, I don't know. I, to me, it's all like divine timing. Like things happen and come in when they're meant to come in. And I just trust in the fact that that that's the way it is. And yeah, kind of don't worry about it. Like I used to control things like that. Now I just, I'm like, <laughs> you handle it. <laughs> mm. Relinquishing control. It's a big one, isn't it? Oh, that's it? a really tough one. Yeah. And I still struggle with it, but I think I have a better idea of it. Yeah. And I think that's why we do all of this work because I mean, and when I say work, I don't mean like uh, 
physical work, I mean, like yeah, like bashing it out, philosophical like, like, or spiritual kind yeah, of yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Which requires like a lot of vulnerability, and a lot of people aren't willing to go there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you totally, and I think the mo- one of the most vulnerable things that you can kind of accept is that there, like, there is no control really. We just mm. all we all we really do is create frameworks to give ourselves the illusion of as much control as possible. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, Absolutely. you know, shit happens that you can't foresee in both positive oh. and and <laughs> uh, positive and less less learned. yeah positive ways and lessons and challenges. I don't like. Yeah. I, I try to steer clear of using negative yeah, terms, but. But yeah, so, I mean, you you said at the start of the conversation that one of the reasons that you were uh, interested in chatting with me was because you were quite excited by the fact that we talk, I I talk about spiritual stuff. I like to say I talk about the real shit. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And so I'm curious, do you, you uh, this is probably a redundant question at this point, but do you consider yourself to be a spiritual person and... In what way? Oh, I'm incredibly spiritual. And um, that's something that I feel like I've always known, like in, but it's been opened, like a complete opening since finishing something. Like I always said, and I've always believed like, you know, things happen for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And, you know, whether that was like a good race or a bad race, um, you know, I was always like, okay, why? Like, why was always like my question. Um, And so I think from that, like analysis point of of view, I've always like tried to understand, like, and and I'm curious as to like why things happen. So when I started asking myself those questions, it was just like, I don't know, I was more open and I was ready to like learn more. And I met a couple of people that just opened my mind to, this other like world that was like living magic and it was so much fun you know like to kind of and I I, every day get such joy out of like synchronicities or like alignments or like when I see number plates with like an initial of something that I know I'm doing that day or you know like just something like I love it like because I'm like "Ah, that's funny like you know Um, and so, and I also think it's changed from like, just like, I'm obviously spiritual, but I've noticed now I've really embraced it from a business perspective as well. Like I always feel like once that happens, you always meet, meet people that are in the same place as you at the same time, you know? And so when the opportunity came through to, to do this with you, I was, you know, I, I had a look and I loved that there was mention of like something so much more deep than a conversation about like how you won your gold medals because honestly like it doesn't mean anything like what are people going to learn from just having heard an experience that no one would relate to you know so it's like I love having deep conversations they're the things that fulfill me the most and I just love that that's something that you treasure and you try and share and and I'm honored that I can share mine through like a platform like this because I think that's yeah, it's so meaningful. That's a really, uh, really touching thing to say. Thank you. Um, yeah, of course. But I think in I think it's really important in in this day and age, uh, you know. And I think someone like you, you're really exposed to a side of social media and a side of media and a side of society, I guess, in a way that can be very ugly and particularly for younger females i think you know if if you click through if you're clicking through instagram or twitter i have not ventured to the dark side of snapchat yet but i imagine it's the same mm. where it's in that in that kind of fitness world and it, it's all it's so superficially driven to really try and um unpack and drill down to understand why we do the things we do and and why we've arrived at these points and how we can kind of grow and learn from these experiences. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just kind of. No, you're (laughs) agreeing. 
yeah, just kind of just kind of rambling as I do. Uh, but I agree on the whole um, the whole social media front, especially with health. Like, I don't know how <laughs> this world of like health has become so sexified, and I like I do the same thing. Like, I look at people's Instagrams, and like you know, like I have a lot of followers, but I nowhere near have the amount of followers that some of these people have, and I'm like. I could, like if I wanted to, I could post some really like sexy pictures and stuff and get lots of followers, but like why? And like, why is it that people think that that what scares me is like, you know, people like my younger sister who's like 21 and, you know, more in a vulnerable phase. And when they look at girls that are like, look to be like fit, fit girls, like fit, healthy girls, but they're so made up and airbrushed and everything. And I'm like, is that actually healthy? Like, yeah, you're promoting like a healthier image, but it's like, are you actually healthy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you take care of yourself? And obviously you need gratification from posting pictures like this. So there's obviously a lot of insecurity. Like I just kind of do all those things in my head and it just, I don't feel like the world's caught up yet. Seeing the matrix. Yeah. Yeah. But, you have uh, released an ebook that can help people who may want to uh, take care of themselves properly. What was the what was the kind of drive to that? Uh, was is that kind of a manifestation of this, I suppose, spiritual awakening that you're having, um, sort of tied into what you're passionate about holistically? You know, I wrote that when I was going through a huge transition um, living in America about a year and a half ago. And I think people always like share things that they're learning like at the time, you know. And so whilst I look at the book now and I think like there's things I would change um, because maybe that's not how I see it anymore. I also like know that it's like a beautiful thing for people to utilize if they are trying to get a more of a holistic approach to health and to wellness and, and to look further than just how many vegetables you're eating in your plate and like how many bananas you put in your smoothie, you know, like, and following a regime, it's like, you know, like figure out you and like, let's figure out what things work for you. And you should do that process innately. And it's kind of just enabling people to, or in empowering them to figure out what works for them and make their own decisions by giving them, like quite a lot of information and then you know I think whatever resonates resonates and that works for you because there's a lot of people that do like you know a six-week plan or like a 12-week boot camp thing and I've been there and done those things before and I think they're good for a phase but I don't feel like they have longevity and it almost makes you like a extremist like you're like I have to go to my like boot camp thing and then you're not happy if you don't do it so to me that's not also like healthy so um yeah i just i think it was important to put something out there that was a little bit more holistic you've talked uh, a few times you've mentioned about your this business that you're launching very soon mm-hmm. what is uh, what is that all about before we wrap this up so i essentially started um you know right after i finished swimming i was like oh, i wish i would have had like I've, I've worn every brand and stylist swimsuit in the entire world. And there was like a couple of ones that I was like, I wish I could take this and put it on this and take this and put it there. And so I feel like it was birthed as a swimwear company. And that was about four years ago. It's gone through a lot of chops and t- changes. And I'm so glad that I hadn't launched it because I was going through my own like journey as well. And now I'm like in the right place to really put it out there into the world. But I feel like it's evolved so much. And I really wanted to create a kids specific company um, because a lot of companies have kids as an afterthought, especially in swimwear, active wear and stuff. And I wanted it to be like, create a world that was specifically for kids to come and play in and to create products a being swimwear second one being a a nutritional health bar like a healthy lunchbox snack that were good quality products that I think are needed from a a health perspective to have you know a a healthy health bar over a tiny teddies you know things like that but also for the kids to wear the swimwear and really like 
feel it. So it all has to be an experience. It has to be an experience the way you're presented it, the way you receive it, the way you open the presents or the gifts. And, and when you wear the swimwear, like especially if you're a swimmer, that's all you have. Like you only have your swimsuit to differentiate you from everyone else in the pool. So when you, it's like kind of hard, but when I would walk in with a new swimsuit, it was like, oh my God, like great suit. And like, you know, those things make a difference in the way you feel and that impacts the way you train. And so I wanted to create something that made kids feel like super positive and happy and excited. And so um, it's so hard to describe because there's so many aspects to it, but I pretty much made it for kids with parents in mind. And it's almost like opening a world of like finding Nemo like that kind of thing it's all based around characters it's all fun and playful and yeah has its own personality and I wanted it to be something that didn't wasn't wasn't just people didn't buy it just because it was my swimsuit because I I know that my name in swimming will hold like a level of credit credibility for some time but there'll also be new Stephanie Rices that come through and achieve things in in the pool and I didn't want it to rely on that. So I've, I've built the whole thing to, yes, it's mine and it's my ideas and my imagination, which is incredibly huge and wide. <laughs> but, yeah, I wanted it to be something that I could step out of and, and not necessarily have to promote it. It sounds incredible. Mm, I wanted it to be something that you didn't necessarily know who the CEO or the owner was, you know? Like I don't know who the CEO of Nike or Lego or whatever um, I wanted it to be something that didn't rely on, on that. Mm, what have you called it? It was its own entity, Race Rice. So it's got aspects of me in it, but it's, uh, yeah, I wanted it to be something like in 10 years, they're like, who the hell was Stephanie Rice? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got any, do you have any, uh, like spiritual practices that you do on a daily or weekly basis? Yeah, I try and meditate every day. Um, and I'll, I'll only do 15 minutes and I usually do a guided meditation or listen to like a frequency tones or something like that. I feel like I try and do things like I'll do angel cards, like maybe once a week or when I'm feeling like I want to do it. Um, more so for me, it's like awareness, like just being aware all the time. Like, you know, like even right now, like doing this interview, I'm like having so much gratitude for the fact that there was such an alignment, you know, like, and that was clearly not brought about by you or me. It was like, we're in the right place, right time, like meant to connect kind of thing. And so I think I just have awareness for things more so uh, holistically. And, you know, I appreciate like the solid system of people that I have in my life and things that come in and come out. Like, and I think that's the best thing that I've gotten to is when things aren't going well, because it's so easy to have gratitude for things that are going well. Right. But when things aren't going well, I look at like, I'll get like maybe frustrated or emotional and I can pull myself up within five to 10 minutes and go, thank you for giving me the warning signs or giving me the, the, like, I guess, feeling and, and whatever that this isn't right for me anymore. So whilst it might be like a bit tougher to get out of it, you know, I know that that's the wrong direction. And I always ask for help and I ask for guidance. I ask to see things and, you know, be aligned with the right people. And so, yeah, I feel like it's just like a constant communication, constant awareness that I have, which is not necessarily like, oh, yeah, I meditate like 16 times a day. Like, I don't know, I'm just, oh, yeah. When you say when you say you're uh, you're talking to or you're asking for who who or what are you referring to? Um, I don't refer. I've never referred to it as God because I feel like that's limited, and I don't feel like there's. An, I have no problem with people uh, having like a spiritual or a religious type of connection. I think any type of connection to a higher power or whatever you call it, um, is really important. Um, and everyone gets there in their own like way or journey. So I've always called it like higher power. I always call it universe, like infinite intelligence. Like, I don't know. I switch it all around. Like I don't really have, I, I don't see it. Cause for me, I guess it's also personal, but like when I think of God, I think of like a dude with like long hair and like a white robe in a cloud. And I just don't, yeah. Like I don't, that's not what, I don't feel like it's that for me. I feel like it's so much bigger and so much more like 
actually not a person. Like I think it's like a, it's like, <laughs> it's just like an energy. Also like learning about like this, like space and like how, how big everything is and how everything works like so perfectly for earth to function the way it functions. Like when I kind of saw the visuals of like how small earth was in compared to like the solar system and the whole entire like galaxy, I was like, and you're worrying about like how the person driving in front of you was like so slow this morning. Like Steph, seriously, like bigger picture here, girl. And that's, I think <laughs> I kind of, that's where I kind of go to now. Like I'm like, seriously, if this is the worst thing that happens, like it's going to be fine. Yeah. I think, uh, I think energetically it's, uh, that's kind of what it's all, what, what's, what's binding us and what's kind of connecting mm. everyone. And that's for me anyway, that's where, you find you know karma and that's where you find gratitude and that's where all these frameworks for uh creating what we want in life really exist yeah um what do you call it uh love Mm. i think (laughs) yeah i don't know i think it's an evolving concept i think 10 years ago i was like Higher power, fuck that. I'm gonna go and get stoned. <laughs> and then and then like five years later I was like, the meaning of life is to create movies and create T V and create art and now I'm like maybe maybe it's just about creating love and finding mm. ways to be positive and create gratitude and spread that kind of vibe as far as yeah. possible with as much fun as possible uh, mm-hmm. and to kind of, I mean, I know we talked about, we, we've spoken about like pretty deep stuff, but uh, I always personally try and um, spread irreverence wherever possible as well and try not to take myself too seriously. And I don't, I, I fail at that yeah. regularly, but um, <laughs> <laughs> at least I can kind of, uh, pull myself up on that and go, hey, maybe yeah. you took yourself a bit too seriously there. Perhaps that yeah. was a bit too earnest. Um, which is a great segue into the last question that I ask everyone. Nice segue. Uh, thank you. The final question, and uh, I thank you so much for being on my show, Steph. Um, the last question I ask everyone on the show is, what makes you silly? me silly that is a really good question I think that like comes back to uh enabling myself to be carefree and like freedom and uh, when I am that and when I embody that which most of the time is not when I'm in Australia um it'll be like if I'm traveling and I'm somewhere or I just feel like I can be completely my authentic person um yeah, I feel like I, I just let myself be and have fun and do silly, spontaneous things. I don't have like a great answer for like what specifically that is. It's more how I need to be in order to be that, if that makes sense. Totally. Thank you so much, Steph, for, uh, for chatting to me in our two crazy time zones. Um, I really appreciate <laughs> your time and it's been, it's been one of my favorite chats. Oh, yay! You're not going to be able to top the uh, athlete card now, I don't reckon. No. I might as well just, just pack it in. Sign out from there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, no. Steph.